Welcome everyone to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Grady and I'm here with Lou Weiss, who is the sponsor for Manufacturing Talk Radio. He's also the president of All Metals and Forge Group, a manufacturer of open die forgings and seamless roll rings that can be found at steelforge.com. Joining us again is Adam Kahn. We spoke with Adam about two years ago and as we do with all of our guests, if something new is on the horizon or in hand, please let us know and we'll have you back on the show. So Adam's joining us again to let us know what's happened in the last two years since we spoke with Adam. Adam, thanks for coming back on Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thank you for having me. So, so what's the new, the new gig of the week? <laughs> <laughs> well, quite a bit uh, from the Acon perspective. So over the last two years, uh, we've grown considerably, uh, added a number of uh, individuals from the executive level, uh, engineering, technicians, and support. Uh, our facility in Northern Illinois um, has actually grown and expanded its capacity, moving from an initial uh, rapid prototyping and now pilot production of our three major products. Uh, our three major products being our diamond display glass, our optics, and our semiconductor uh, wafer technology. Uh, additionally, we brought on some very seasoned folks, uh, seasoned talent to lead this new effort. Uh, former president of Intel uh, Americas, Tom Lacey, is now our chairman. Uh, Craig Mitchell, former head of Tessera Xperia, is now our CEO. And John Thody, uh, former head of uh, Motorola, is uh, also our chief technology officer, in addition to some other folks. So quite a bit happening at Akon. Well, that's, that's quite impressive. Do you happen to have a f picture of uh, your plant today? I do. Let me pull it up here for us. So this is our facility in Northern Illinois, uh, comprising both manufacturing uh, with our clean room operations, as well as administrative support. And you're growing. Yes, growing considerably. Okay, so tell us, uh, uh, our audience a little bit more about what your products do. Uh, we, didn't, we didn't really get into that. And I think it's important that we get that out. Absolutely. Um, so Acon specializes in low temperature diamond growth. Um, what that means is that we can actually grow diamond from methane uh, over very large areas and at low temperature. Uh, and that's important because uh, our display glass, our uh, other materials, which have normally a softer temperature point previously could not be integrated with diamond. But now with this low temperature uh, method of integrating, we can impact things in a very positive way. Uh, applications like optics, like display glass, tapping into diamonds, ultra hardness, its ability to disseminate heat quite rapidly and more efficiently than any other 3D material, as well as on the electronic side. Um, diamond electronics are much more power efficient, can operate at higher frequency, uh, are much faster. So these myriad of uh, material properties that diamond has, we're now able to tap in and bring in from an engineering perspective. Has your product at all affected the, the, the real diamond market, natural diamonds? You know, interestingly enough, uh, we've seen others go into the lab-grown gem space uh, to quite success, a diamond foundry be, being another. Uh, interestingly enough, we see the old folks that are uh, in the diamond mines that, uh, you know, have uh, extreme vested interest actually wanting to invest in Akon because they see the future of diamond, not as a gem, but from the electronics and optics and growing yeah. well beyond what it can do in the gem market. So we find that pretty interesting uh, from our perspective. Yeah, that's uh, it's really going from one extreme to another. That's, that's fabulous. Couldn't afford to do it with real diamonds making product that you're doing. 
Uh, exactly. Well, we're also showing that they've been overcharging uh, folks for years on what diamonds uh, actually cost. So. <laughs> Uh, he didn't really mean that, folks. Such way you put them in Denmark. <laughs> so, Adam, I'm, I'm fascinated about your statement about optics and diamonds. Can you go into that a little bit? Absolutely. Uh, so, one major application in aerospace is the ability to what they call see further and shoot first. Um, so diamond being integrated in aerospace optics allows us not only to have a really good lens that is ultra hard and can protect for things like hypersonic flights, uh, for solvents and sprays or sand that is normal for flight conditions, but it's also a really good optics material. What that means is that in the infrared band, it's more transmissive or more sensitive to things like the heat signatures um, in the medium infrared um, for things like planes and jet craft. This means that from an uh, optics perspective, we're able to sense at a greater distance um, these threats and either engage or evade uh, as, as needed. Um, so it's quite useful for that application. Uh, additionally, it's great for things like lenses on your car or on your camera, and that you need something that's protective against the elements in case you live in the Midwest, like uh, Chicago, where I'm from. You know that in the winter, the salt uh, gets on your back of your car, uh, on the side of the lens. Very easy to de-scum and to remove that with a diamond lens. Um, so another great application there. Is uh, do diamond uh, lab-grown diamond block uh, blue uh, light rays? Actually, yeah, we can filter it. Um, so we have both single-layer diamond and multi-layer. So if you want to have it completely colorless, we can tune that. Uh, but naturally, diamond does filter blue. That's quite right. Okay, can, nope. so can you make uh, eyeglasses out of this? We can. Get some actually, benefit yeah. out of it? We, we can actually, that's something that we've been looking at as well because uh, folks break their glasses, scratch them quite easily and it's so frustrating. Um, having the hardest material as a protective coating is, is quite advantageous. Uh, and we've been engaged by a few of those providers worldwide um, to look at bringing those products to market with them. Of course, it'll cost $3,000 a pair <laughs> instead of the... <laughs> The uh, uh, reader glasses for two ninety five. <laughs> well, believe it or not, it's actually cheaper than sapphire, cheaper than gallium nitride, so it's quite cost competitive. Uh, and it also helps that we're using one one millionth <laughs> of a meter here. Very very thin <laughs> material, very thin coating goes a long way. Um, so it's Got quite it. cost effective that way. Okay, okay. So, so Adam, I have my my phone here. Of course, it has a crack down there in the corner from being dropped, is this a technology that you're developing something that's going to uh, reduce or possibly eliminate the dropped phone crack screen problem? A hundred percent. Yeah, I think we all feel that same frustration. You know, we're spending so much on this phone, uh, you know, typically over a thousand dollars for these new phones. And as soon as you drop it or, you know, we throw it in the bag uh, and it hits something, it has a propensity to crack. And, you know, we really feel like you're spending that much. It should come as is protected. You shouldn't have to invest in, you know, these outer boxes or these other covers and cases and become an encumbrance. You know, it should be quite resilient. And so this for sure will help with that. Well, that's excellent. Because if you add the, for instance, the, the thicker cases to the phone, I mean, it becomes a small book-sized device that's, you know, kind of less comfortable in your hand. It was designed for to be in your hand the way it is. And then we add all this other stuff on it that's kind of clunky. Well, not only that, but just to get the glass to be more protective, it has to get so heavy. So now the phone, even though it's tiny, is quite heavy. Um, so this will also help with lightening uh, the, the phone weights uh, and thinning those profiles for future designs. So we're quite excited about that. 
It sounds like you're into a lot of different products. I see this disc behind you. Uh, what is the significance of that? So this is actually uh, this side, our 12-inch wafer. So this is the first 300-millimeter diamond wafer um, that was ever grown at low temperature. And this was a major feat in the diamond world in that this is the same size wafers that we uh, utilize currently for silicon. So all the world's advanced chips, you know, this thing that we've been hearing about for the last year about the supply chain crunch, we couldn't get chips for automotive or even things like coffee makers. Well, now we, as a push, we wanted to make diamond as a material available for these type of design geometries. So having a 300 millimeter diamond wafer means that we can process it the same way that you would process silicon, but with all of the future benefits, all of the enhancements. So you know, hopefully soon we'll have diamond chips uh, disseminated in the market, uh, not only alleviating this crunch, but making things like automotive uh, and power electronics become far more efficient uh, and, and far more cost-effective. Wow. You can't keep up with the changes. I wonder what, <laughs> wonder what Adam's going to have two years from now. Yeah. Adam, I'm, I'm curious. I know you've got a lot of stuff in development, and you've got some product that's available today. Where can I find the product that's available today? What's your website, and what am I going to discover there? Sure. It's at aconsemi.com, A-K-H-A-N-S-E-M-I.com. And uh, the two major things I think you would see now are within the aerospace side and then within the display glass side. Within the aerospace side, I really hope you never see it because that means a jet or a missile is coming your way. Uh, so I hope you never <laughs> interact with it the same way I would. Uh, and the other side will be on your, your actual smartphone. Um, so you'll, you'll see that uh, shortly as a very, a very big feature point. Do you have smartphone phone manufacturers who you're working with now or, or you're developing a relationship with? We you do. have to expose them. I'm just curious. <laughs> we, we do, yes. Great. Great. I look forward to the uh, unshatterable glass. <laughs> I did, uh, when I spoke to Adam a, a week or two ago, and I, I asked, uh, I thought what was an obvious question, but it, it didn't have an obvious answer. And I questioned him about the use of automotive glass and why you won't use it on automotive glass. Do you want to explain that? Absolutely, yeah. For the uh, inside of the car, we see great usage for things like the infotainment center, you know, the things that you're touching quite right. frequently, heads up display, great application. For the exterior glass, uh, you know, we were looking at it and we thought, you know, not only coating it uh, over a large area is expensive, but, you know, in some cases, it's not great to have your glass on your car be completely brake resistant for things like emergency where you're trying to pull somebody out of a, a turnover <laughs> car. Might not, be a, might not be a great application there. Um, but, you know, for things like the Cybertruck that Tesla is developing, certainly there, there could be some advantage uh, to having a diamond coating. Can you imagine being in a car accident and you can't get out because your damn window won't break? <laughs> and then you get sued for it, of course. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So Adam, what are you looking at that you can share or maybe talk about applications of this technology uh, in, the, uh, in the near future? So I think the major focus that we want to talk about is the display glass on um, the consumer side. Right now, you know, we're seeing phones really not have a ton of new features year after year, meaning that most of the phones kind of look the same. There's not really new developments that really compel a user to say, I want this phone over the other phone because it has, you know, X function or Y function. 
So we see starting with this display glass being ultra hard as, as a great entry point. Again, it solves a major problem, but where we go next, how we compete with other technologies is not necessarily on a cost or on the, the scale component. It's rather on integration and functionality. What I mean by that is that, you know, we're seeing in the market this huge push for uh, meta technology, right? The metaverse is coming. Facebook and now meta investing quite a bit uh, in their Oculus platform. Uh, Samsung, Google, and others, you know, have invested quite a bit in this space. Diamond is actually quite an interesting material in that, as you can see, we're talking about both semiconductor and display. These paths actually converge together where you actually can have the electronics embedded in the display glass, the sensors embedded in display glass. Now you have a, a much tighter form factor, a much lighter system. So VR can be much more ergonomic, but more importantly, you have it much more heat efficient and much more electronically efficient. Meaning that now these systems can be powered, can be run with diamond actually dissipating the heat where the display is occurring. Um, so I think that's probably the most exciting thing uh, about the display glass is that it goes from your phone now impacting all of these other uh, consumer applications. So we're quite excited about the next generations of this technology in the display glass frontier. It's good stuff. Good yeah, stuff. It, is, it is clearly powerful technology. Uh, you said you had three products, kind of uh, you, the display glass was one. Walk us through the other two with a couple of examples so that our listeners or viewers can really understand what you're doing. Sure. Um, so the, it was mentioned the display glass is one. The second is the optics. So optics includes both flat and curved lens, um, things for sensor and detector applications, primarily in aerospace. Um, so these big domed windows that you see either on drones or on jet aircraft at the front, um, diamond being a great material there, um, both from the sensing application is also the detecting application. So transmit and receive. Um, great for infrared sensing, great for visible, um, great for even far x-ray <laughs> sensing, although other companies are focusing on that application. Uh, and then semiconductor electronics. So as we mentioned, the, the wafer um, currently behind me, um, this includes things from wafer scale. So, you know, handing and licensing to others so they can uh, produce their own chipsets or design their own chipsets, uh, as well as actually doing the, the chip design ourselves for things like power inverter applications uh, or for things for high power or high frequency. Um, so three very different blends or uses of diamond, uh, but three very compelling use cases among these markets for sure. Optically speaking, is there, uh, in using the diamonds as uh, a, a jet plane shield window, is the clarity through glass or clarity through diamonds better, more visual, uh, clearer? Yeah, we can, actually, we can actually tune it because um, these, these materials typically have five or 10 layers in them, diamond being either the outermost or the outermost plus some of the middle. So we can actually tune it to be more transmissive in the infrared or the visible. Um, so the transmission actually enhances. So for sure, um, it's, a, it's an optical gain, not a loss. Got it. Okay, Tim, I think I, I interrupted you. Sure. Sorry, Lou, I wasn't aware, Adam, that diamonds had a sensor capability. And I'm, I'm feeling Star Trek here. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, same, same kind of concept, right? That you have uh, a beam going out um, that's uh, actually uh, sensing. Uh, so it has to pass through a window to exit the aperture into um, the open ambient. And so it's detecting um, through, uh, on, uh, sensing out through one side. And then on the other side, you have that beam coming back in and that's the detector. So this is the bounce back from that. 
through the aperture again. Um, so yes, it's very much uh, things like in Star Trek where we're detecting, you know, the heat signatures or fuselages um, of craft or weaponry, or in some cases, it's just simple uh, like LIDAR, like a laser pinging uh, distancing, um, but, you know, very much from a positioning and detection standpoint. It's fascinating stuff. Now, let me extend an offer to you, Adam. Uh, as you, you may know, we publish a monthly digital magazine, and, and we'd like to have you think about an article in that, um, you know, 12, 1500 words talking about this. If you've got somebody who can write that, uh, this is such fascinating technology. We'd love to have something in our publication uh, from you folks about what's happening. This is incredible stuff. I appreciate that, Tim, absolutely. We'd love to do that. Well, two, two comments. One, I'll now mention the name of the digital magazine, which is called Manufacturing Outlook. And almost all segments in it uh, are orient, uh, outlook oriented. So manufacturing outlook, aerospace outlook, oil and gas outlook, diamond outlook, what have you. Uh, that'll be a great article. I think the technology, this is real popular science stuff. Absolutely, appreciate it. Yeah, a good comparison with popular science would be the kind of magazine you pick up to read about this. And uh, we I was, I was reading that when I was 10 years old. Yeah, right. <laughs> Last week. <laughs> and and right. where do you see this going in the next couple of years? So I think, uh, again, uh, consumer electronics, the display glass will be the, the first major push. Um, but I see from there, it's sort of building on that, uh, the semiconductor electronics being the next major vein in the, the three to five year horizon. Um, but for sure, you know, I think what we're pushing is uh, called a diamond age of technology. Um, like uh, any materials defining the age, like the iron age, like the bronze age. As you can see, diamond has these myriad of applications that will impact everything from our defense and aerospace to the phones in our hands, to the cars that we drive. Um, so we see this being a very useful technology that we want to proliferate broadly for world's benefit. You even gave yourself your own title of the article, the Diamond Age Outlook. There you go. There you that's, go. That's your story. This particular uh, application, uh, working with diamond, does it have the properties to transmit better, faster uh, electric Electricity? Absolutely, yes. Uh, in diamond, um, the reason why it's such a great semiconductor material is because it has much higher what they call electron mobility. So the actual electron speed is much faster than in silicon or these other uh, semiconductor technologies like gallium nitride or silicon carbide. Um, so it's not only much faster um, from a mobility standpoint, it can be switched much faster for things like the gigahertz for frequency. Um, you know, we, we hear about 5G, how big of a push that was for getting, you know, video and that type of bandwidth through. Um, what a big step up that was from 4G. Eventually there'll be a sixth generation or 6G. Uh, so Diamond, of course, will, will play a big part in that RF base station uh, in that technology. I'm kind of thinking that this is, uh, I'm a big fan of solar. And mm -hmm. I'm wondering if there's any play in solar for Diamond technology, because what we have today is, okay, you know, they're working on it, but it's not quite to the point where it rapidly pays for itself. You can pump it back into the grid uh, and it's really beneficial. 
Is that something that Diamond Technology can do? It's certainly something that we've been looking at, uh, integrating with photovoltaics. I think immediately we could help with a display glass uh, application there. So the same value proposition of this hardness, toughness, scratch resistance. If you want to have solar on every house, you know, it has to withstand the elements. It has to have a long lifetime to be able to pay back those costs uh, over a great time. So we see that diamond uh, from a, a, a photovoltaic standpoint being a hard coating being quite valuable. Uh, additionally, it won't absorb uh, the, the desired part of the, the wavelength, so meaning that you could still have that conversion, but you could dissipate the heat more efficiently. So now in terms of the loss that you have from your, your ICs or your photovoltaics, uh, you will, uh, you'll actually have that, uh, that gain back into the system, so less loss from a, a thermal side. Interesting, because I uh, envision these mirrors that they use for a lot of applications particularly in the desert when they want to focus the energy of the sun and they get beat up from uh, the sand. And I look at the leading edges of the turbine blades. I, I didn't think about the fact that as they spin quite rapidly, they're going through an abrasive environment of dust and they've got to take them down every 15 or 20 years and fix the leading edge. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Expensive to replace, expensive to maintain. So these are all cost savings uh, that we love to pass along. Absolutely. Cool stuff. Very, cool stuff. very cool. Well, Adam, we want to continue to work with you. Uh, it, whatever you would like to share with us, we'll find a way to put it out there, whether it's through Manufacturing Outlook, the digital magazine, or on this show, or wherever we can help you get your message out please reach out to us for that. And thank you for joining us. I really appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Nice talking to you, Adam. Thank you. Nice. Okay. And we've been talking with Adam Kahn, talking about diamond technology and the diamond age. If you'd like to know more about that, please check us out at jacketmediaco.com. You can visit our website or you can visit his website, aconsemi.com. And as always, thank you for listening to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>